and this is our birthday service. So I started looking uh, through the Bible to see was there much about birthdays. There's not much about birthdays actually. Uh, there were a couple of birthday parties. One was Herod had a birthday party and uh, Salome danced at it. Do you remember that one? But there are very few birthday parties. But there's one party. And what a party it was. And we're going to talk about that. A particular party. You know we wore in Iraq. And we know that Iraq and Babylon. The biblical Babylon is the same as Iraq. So it's interesting at a time like this to look at a story that happened in ancient Babylon and see what we can get from it. The Jews uh, had been defeated and they had been brought into captivity into Babylon. <clears throat> the golden and the silver utensils from the temple, you know, it was, and they had looted the temple. They had destroyed the temple, the beautiful temple that Solomon had built. And they, they looted and they took out all the utensils and they brought them back to Babylon. The gold and silver were, were put in to the temple of their gods. And in Daniel 1, 2 it says, And he brought, that's Nebuchadnezzar, the vessels into the treasure house of his god. You know, the Tower of Babel itself very probably was built for idolatrous worship. And Babylon was a very idolatrous and uh, wicked country in those days and Nebuchadnezzar was a supreme ruler and we'll see that as we look on a bit further and so in the same place probably close to where the Tower of Babel had been there were now various temples and idols where the king of Babylon and the, the inhabitants worshipped and it was in one of these temples that they put all the, temp the, the utensils from the temple in Jerusalem. You know, the, the, the Babylonians worshipped many gods. They worshipped a god called Rach and Shach and Nigo. Nebo. Nigo. And you know, when, when the, 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 the men who were put into the fiery furnace, you know the story where the, where the people were put into the, the, the fiery furnace and they, they escaped because God was there with them and the, 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 the emperor looked in and he said, did we, did we not put three in there? And there are four in there, one's like the Son of God. And he called for them and they came out. And they called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that was after the gods, the three, three of the gods that were worshipped. They were given the names, added on to the end of their names. We had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Venus was also worshipped and held in veneration with the Babylonians. And so there was an awful lot of temple prostitution and things like that att attended these worshipping uh, of the gods of the Babylonians. And I read a description of the temple of Jupiter. It had gates of brass. It was 440 yards on every side. 440 yards on every side and was four square. In the middle of the temple was a solid tower 220 yards in length and breadth 
And upon it then was built another one, and then another one, and it went on up in these ascending towers. And in the last tower, they, they used to observe the, the rising of the moon and of the sun, and a lot of sun worship and that type of thing went on. It was an amazing city, the city of Babylon. It said it was an extraordinary height, this temple, where the Chaldeans made observation on the stars and could take an exact view of the rise and setting of them. It was all made of brick and bitumen at great cost and expense. And here in that temple was, they reckon, where the, the vessels from the temple in Jerusalem were put. And these items that they had taken from Jerusalem were of very special interest to the Jews. They had been erected and made and, and formed especially for the worship of God. And they had been dedicated solely for God's use. They were sanctified. And when we get that word sanctified in scripture, it means something which is dedicated solely for the use of God. They were holy things. And for these holy things to have been placed in a, a, a temple for an idol god was to the Jews something horrific. And this all took place under the, the, the emperor Nebuchadnezzar. God had declared that they would be taken into captivity for 70 years. And that they had to, to, to settle down in that country. False prophets in Israel had said, no, they weren't going to go into captivity. Everything was peace, it says. They were saying peace, peace, when there was no peace. But in actual fact, the, the emperor did come and he took them into captivity. You know, Nebuchadnezzar <coughs> was an amazing emperor. And we see that he had absolute power. He was a despot. Probably a little bit like... Saddam Hussein was if he said somebody was to live they lived, if he said somebody was to die they died <clears throat> but you know the interesting thing was about Nebuchadnezzar he was humbled by God he was humbled by God and he was out walking and he was saying to himself this is a wonderful empire that I have and God struck him down. He lost his mind. He lived out in the field. He ate grass like the animals. Obviously there was a regency sent up in some way that looked after the, 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 the affairs of state while he was like that. And he says, I thought it good to show you the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. And it goes on to explain, if you look into chapter 4 of Daniel, he goes on to explain what happened to him. How he was taken out and he lived like a wild animal until God brought him to his senses. God brought him to his senses and he says at the end of that, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Oh, he realized that 
he had to be brought down as a humble man and he was done he was brought down by the the God of heaven he says well he died as most of the people do and he died his son evil Merodach he took over and he reigned in his place and his son eventually seemed it would appear to reign as king as a co-regent with his father there's doubt about it but it seems like something like that happened and the father he went on doing crusades fighting crusades here and there and his son stayed back in Babylon and ruled in Babylon and as our story commences it would appear that the father was not there and that the son was reigning and his name was Belshazzar and the we don't know what age he was but the father was away and perhaps it was a case when the the cats away the mice play because he organized a big party and this was a big party he invited over a thousand of his lords and their ladies and their girlfriends and he invited them all we don't know the reason for it some think perhaps it was an annual thing that he organized because another emperor knew all about it we'll see that in a minute others think that it was a kind of show you see what had happened his country was invaded by an emperor called Cyrus and the, the, the city of Babylon at that time was being besieged and inside they felt very safe and he organized this party maybe to boost the confidence of the people inside Babylon we don't know it's only speculation the building where this event took place has been actually excavated it was about 170 by 60 it was a huge building beautiful plaster work highly decorated and ornate and as I say anybody who was anybody in Babylon was invited it was a big affair and if you look at chapter 5 in Daniel you'll see the story they drank wine and they were having a big orgy and now it would appear that in those days the emperor didn't normally eat and drink with his subjects but in this particular case he did he was to show his, his familiarity with them and as he got merry and reckless through being half drunk he thought of all the beautiful cups and vessels which had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem and he said let's bring them in let's drink from them and he ordered them to be brought from the temple of his God I, do not, I don't know how many they actually used that night 
But you know, it, in Ezra, it, it gives a number of vessels that were taken out of the temple. And in Ezra 1.11, it says there were 5,400 different vessels taken out of the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon. So there was a good lot to choose from, if he wanted to. How foolish he was. How foolish he was. For us looking on the outside, it's easy to say that. But you know, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. He made these decisions when he was half drunk. And Proverbs says he wasn't wise, and he wasn't. And verse 4, it goes on to say, As they drank from these sacred vessels, they praised their gods. Now these vessels had been set aside for the use of Jehovah and the temple worship of the God of the Jews. But they worshipped the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. They started praising these other gods while using the, the vessels which were organized and solely for the use of the God of heaven, Jehovah. You know, if you'd asked anybody at that particular time, what kind of a party? It's a great party. It's a fantastic party. We're having a great time. But, verse 5, and this is creepy. Suddenly, the king looked up. And there was a hand on the wall. And the hand was writing on the wall. Imagine if a hand suddenly appeared on that wall and started writing. I tell you, it would sober you up a bit. That's one thing. There's a candlestick, and just beside the candlestick, this hand was writing. The king. Well, there was an abrupt stop to the merriment, I can tell you. The, the, everybody stopped. You could see their mouths open. And in verse 6 it says, the king's countenance changed. I'm sure it did. He went pale. And in his muddled mind, he began to wonder, what is this? And his, he began to shake. And his knees started to knock together. He was terrified. And he cried out. And he called all his astrologers and his soothsayers and his magicians... And all the wise men they could think of, they brought them in to the party. And he said, if anybody can interpret that, he's going to be third in line in the throne. Because that's important. Whatever it says, it's important. 
and he's going to be third in line. And the reason why it was third in line because the people think because there was the, his father himself, and and he the, anybody who came along there would be third. And they couldn't, couldn't understand it, couldn't read it. Everyone, it says, in verse 9, was confused and frightened, scared stiff. Nobody could read the writing that this hand, this mysterious hand, had written. And presumably the hand was still there. There was a deathly silence. And then the queen. People think it was the, the widow of Nebuchadnezzar, the dowager queen. She said... You know, there was a man in this country. And in Nebuchadnezzar's day, the, and it's a wonderful description they give of him. She said to her, the, the king, Belshazzar, Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. For there is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Oh, she remembered... Daniel interpreting the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and the visions that Nebuchadnezzar had. And those visions that Nebuchadnezzar had are still as true today. They are be still being worked out in prophecy. And you can look at that sometime. Maybe we will. She said, this man had understanding. He'd wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. And he, that was found in him. Whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, says thy father here because they use father for father and grandfather. It's very confusing apparently. It was actually his grandfather. And he, he was made, this man was made master of the magicians in Nebuchadnezzar's day. And he's the one we should get. If you can find this man Daniel, bring him in here. He'll tell you what those things mean. The spirit of the holy God is in him. They recognized that this man was different. I wonder if we'd been there in those days. Would anybody have noticed anything different about me? Or about you? When we go around uh, in our work or whatever we're doing. Do people recognize that the spirit of the holy God is within us? If we have committed our lives to God. Then the holy spirit has come and dwelt in us. Do people notice it? Or are we just like one of the rest? We should be different. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences, dissolving of doubts, oh, we should be there to help people get over their doubts. And they were found in this same Daniel. Get Daniel along. Get Daniel along. So they got him. He came in and they the, the, the Belshazzar then starts to explain to Daniel what he wanted him to do. He says, I, I, you're a wise man. People tell me you're, you have the spirit of the gods in you. And he explained. And he said, if you can explain what those words mean, I'm going to make you third in command of this. Do you know what Daniel said? Now this, this was to a despot. This man had control over anybody. Life and death was nothing to these men. They were despots. And I will give you and I'll make you the third in command and you'll have a, uh, all my authority. I'll dress you up in my robes. And, you know what Daniel said? 
keep your gifts. <laughs> oh, he didn't just say it maybe as bluntly as that, but he said, no, I don't want your gifts. But I will tell you. And then he goes on to talk to this man who had complete control. Here's what he says. Let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. He says, you knew all about Nebuchadnezzar. You knew what happened. Thy father, thy grandfather it is, a, God gave him a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, languages trembled and feared before him. Everybody was afraid of Nebuchadnezzar because he was supreme. Whom he wanted to kill, he killed. Whom he kept alive, he kept alive. And whom he would set up, he exalt them and give them a high position. But if he didn't like you, he knocked you down. But when his heart was lifted up with pride, and his mind hardened in pride, I told you about what happened. God stepped in and confused his mind. And took his throne and his glory from him. He was driven out into the fields. He ate grass. Brought him right down. Until he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men. Whether we like it or not. Whether you agree with it or not. That is the message that Nebuchadnezzar had to learn. That the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men. And he says, Belshazzar, you didn't pay a blind bit of notice to that. You ignored all that happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And now he says, God is going to deal with you. A hard thing to say to an emperor, wasn't it? He says, you've lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven and you've brought the vessels, his vessels, and you've polluted them. And he says, this is what it means. And we all know the expression, what it was. Meanie, meanie, tigal, you farsa. That was the words. What kind of language was it? We don't know. But he started to explain. And he says, meanie, it means God has numbered your kingdom. Your days are numbered. And it's finished. And it was repeated twice. He says, your days are numbered. You've had it. It's finished. Your kingdom's finished. Then he says, Tikal. Tikal. Thou art weighed in the balance and found wanting. God has weighed you up in his balances. And you're way down. He says you're wanting. You don't balance in God's eyes. You're found wanting. And he says, Perez. Oh, he says, that's what it is. The next thing is, your kingdom's going to be divided. And given to the Medes and the Persians. 
The amazing thing is that when he said this to, to, to Belshazzar, Belshazzar accepted it. And he said, I'm going to make you third in command of the city. Verse 25, 27, 29. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. Whether that actually ever took place because he didn't have time to do it. Why? Go to verse 30. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. That night, that prophecy, the words of the meanie, meanie, tickle, you farson, it took place. Now, Babylon, this was an amazing city. And I read a description of Babylon the other night, and just a bit of it. It was a wonder. In addition to its size, and this is Herodotus, a historian of 450 BC, Babylon surpasses in splendor any city in the known world. He claimed that the outer walls were 56 miles in length, 80 feet thick, and 320 feet high. Massive. You could turn a four-horse chariot on the top of the walls they were so wide the inner walls were not so thick as the first but they were just as strong it was, it was a massive fortification it's no wonder they felt safe inside it didn't matter who was outside and Cyrus was outside with his army inside the wall were 14 were fortresses and temples containing immense statues of solid gold <coughs> rising above the city was the famous Tower of Babel a temple to the god Marduk that seemed to reach to the heavens it was so high but in that night Belshazzar inside the city was slain and his kingdom taken away from him now it's an interesting story we haven't time to go into it all but Cyrus's army was surrounding the city. The river Euphrates flowed through the city. And all they did, well all they did, it was a massive thing. They diverted the, the river. And they came up the river bed into the city. And took over the empire. And Belshazzar was slain. That massive city impregnable was taken in a very simple way and that was the introduction of a new empire and that empire was the start of the return brought in the start of the return of the Jews from exile the emperor that came in changed the policy and he encouraged the Jews to go back to their own country. Seventy years. God's clock had moved on. And God's timing was coming in. With Cyrus coming in. And bringing the people back to their own land.
God's plan will not be disturbed by people. No matter how powerful they think that they are. God is in control of the kingdoms of this world. And these men were only acting out as pawns God's plan. The 70 years were nearly up. And Cyrus had to come in. He was used by God to bring the people back out of captivity. God has a plan for your life and for my life. Let us never forget that. God, it says in Jeremiah, I have a plan prepared for you. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. If ye will seek me, ye shall find me if you seek me with all your heart. That's the secret. If we seek God and God's plan for our lives and come to him in confession that we are useless without him. That we have strayed away from his path. That we have gone our own way. Come to him in repentance and faith. Ask him to forgive us the past. To forgive us our sins. And if we confess our sins, he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we'll be brought into that situation where God's plan then can start working in our lives. You know, it said, Tico, you are weighed in the balances and found wanting. If God was to weigh my life today, would I balance? Or would I be found wanting? It's a very serious thought. Are we, are we wanting? Are we lacking? Something that God wants from us and for us. How foolish that man can imagine that he can treat God lightly. We are reminded of, just in closing, a reminding of the parable that Jesus told of the farmer. And he had abundant crops. And they, his, his ground produced fantastic crops. And he said, I will build bigger barns. I will do this. I will sit back and I will say, he troubled with his eyes this man. I, I will say, I have enough goods for many years sit back eat drink and be merry but it says but God said but God said thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee that was the difference he'd left God out of the equation don't leave God out of the equation it says in verse 5 in that same hour in that same hour. God has a time to bring people to justice. There's a time for everything. In Ecclesiastes it says, you know, there's a time for every thing there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven. There's always there's a time. God has a time. You know, there was a correct time for the Lord Jesus Christ to go to Calvary. It says, and when the hour was come, he sat down with his disciples to have the Last Supper. The time had come. He prayed 
Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Jesus said, Shall I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But then he says, But for this cause came I to this hour. The time had come for Jesus to offer himself as a sacrifice for your sins and mine. God has brought us here this morning, each one of us. We're not here by accident. Don't think you're here by accident. You're here by design. May we listen to his voice speaking to us. And take him seriously. Amen. Mm-hmm.